be still and know that I am God. It is I who set the earth in motion. It is I who sustains you, protects you, and provides for your needs. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Trust in me with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid for I will never leave you. Let your soul find rest in me and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. For neither death nor life the present nor the future, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from my love. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Good morning. How many of you have finished your Christmas shopping already? How many of you have yet to start? Yeah, there you go. I think we are a people that uh, run to and fro. We are people that, especially in this time, in this season, become so very busy. We become people that run from one store to another store, we run from one gathering to another gathering. We run to an event, we got Christmas parties here, church events, school events, and I think of the words that the angels brought to the shepherds of peace. And very often our Christmas is not one of peace. It is not a place where we, or a time where we are able to really think about the salvation that Jesus brought to us. Maybe you're like me or or our family where we said, this year is going to be a different Christmas. This year is going to be a slower-paced Christmas. We're going to enjoy this season. This season, we're really going to take time to go through and to really allow the message of Christmas to sink in. And if you're like us or like me, very often this busy season rushes by, and on Boxing Day, you're wondering... Where was the peace? And so I've entitled my sermon today, Peace, Be Still, No God. I want to take uh, some points from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Here we have an account of what happened around the first Christmas season. So before we go that, let's open in another word of prayer. God in heaven, thank you for uh, the promise that you have given us in the Psalms of um, that when we are still, we are able to know you as God. And I pray that as we prepare to go into the Christmas season, I pray that you will be with us, that we will take time to be still in our hearts, in our souls, that we will be able to um, 
just focus and to contemplate and to meditate on the message of Christmas, the message of salvation. And Holy Spirit, this morning, I don't know what people are bringing to our gathering today, to our service. I ask that you bring peace into every circumstance and every situation that people are carrying uh, this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until he gave, or she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So this is kind of the account of what happened just prior to the first Christmas. Christmas is when we as believers, we as Christians, celebrate the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't exactly know when Jesus' birthday was, but we, as uh, through church history, have set aside December 25th to celebrate the coming of our Savior. And so some of the circumstances that were present in Joseph's life is, are some of the circumstances that are present in our lives today. And the same way that Joseph struggled to find pre peace in his circumstance, we too often struggle to find peace. But God brought peace into this circumstance, into this situation, in the same way he wants to bring peace into our situation. So what is peace? Let's just define terms a little bit. Peace in the scripture often refers to the rest or the calm of the soul. It is the absence of trouble or fear. I think John chapter 14 verse 27 gives us a very good definition of what peace is. John writes this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. This peace is an inner peace, a state of the heart where one is at rest and in harmony regardless of what is going on around you. This is a peace that only comes when we rest on the authority and care of our Savior. That is how it is different than the world. Jesus says, the peace I give to you is different than the world gives you. When we think about peace, we think of countries that stop fighting and they no longer uh, send missiles and bullets each other's ways. 
But the peace that God talks about here is something different. It is something that comes in on the inside of us and changes us. It gives us rest. It takes away our troubled hearts. And it takes away our fear. The Bible also teaches that our God is a God of peace. Peace comes from the character of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 reads like this. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. God's plans for us never include chaos. Our response to his plan might be chaos, but God never causes disorder in our lives. In the same way God's plan for our Christmas, our faith journey that all of us are on, does not include chaos. God is not a God of disorder or chaos. He is a God of order. And where order is, there is peace. So back to our story here. How, what gave Joseph cause for fear? If peace is the absence of fear, what was it in Joseph's situation where he became fearful, he became uncertain about his situation? Uh, the angel says to Joseph, do not be afraid. And if we look throughout the scriptures, this is a promise, this is a command that God often leaves his people. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And he says the same thing to Joseph here. The first thing that gave Joseph cause for fear was that Joseph was busy. Joseph was getting married. And so those of you that just got married... This last year, or maybe in the, in the recent time, you're probably still trying to rest from that whole situation. It's just such a busy thing. Uh, there's, there's things to prepare for. There's dresses to buy. There's suits to rent. There's, it's such a busy time. And then on top of that, you've got to kind of figure out what you're going to do after you're married. So you kind of have to find a place to live. You have to kind of plan for what could be, what could come. You have to make sure that um, all the time is booked off for the honeymoon, the honey, honeymoon is uh, booked, everything is ready to go. Getting married is a very busy time. There's all kinds of fears that come into a person's mind and a heart at this time. Will we make it? We see marriages around us struggling and we wonder, if I get married now, am I going to make it? Will I be able to provide for my family? Will we be able to have children? And for Joseph, he needed to make sure that there was going to be a home that they would be able to move into. There was so much going on around this time. And it is like Christmas season is often for us. It is a busy time, and busyness steals our peace. The next thing that gave Joseph cause for fear is that he faced an uncertain future. And I kind of, that's an understatement. Imagine that you were ready to get married, you were ready to be married, and if you were a guy, you found out that your fiancé is pregnant. And you know for a fact that child is not yours. Talk about your, your dreams, your, your whole future being shattered 
having no idea where is this going to go, what does this mean for me, what does this mean for us? And the amount of uncertainty that must have come over Joseph and his heart, what would have gone through his mind? Joseph must have thought, how could she do this? I'm a good enough man, am I not? How could she run off with a different man? How could she do this right before we are married? And there were times probably where he lay awake at night and pondering this thing and wondering if he should hand her over to authorities to be stoned. And there must have been anger in his heart towards his fiancée, his his bride-to-be. But it teaches us that he was a man of integrity. See, I think it's very often in the middle of experiencing and working of God, experiencing exciting times that we often get that really bad news. Perhaps you thought your marriage was going so well and then you found your spouse was unfaithful to you. Perhaps you had this great relationship with your child and now you find out your child is experimenting with drugs. Perhaps you are doing well at work and you are just being told that you're being let go. Things are going so well, you're dreaming what could be and then life throws a wrench at you. And this takes away our peace, this takes away our calm. And we wonder, what is next? What is my future going to bring? The third thing that Joseph faced was disgrace. Joseph faced disgrace. See, the Jewish culture was one of shame and honor. Nothing was more important than reputation. Today as a culture, I think generally we would value people over what they do. Or at least we say we do. But in biblical times, it was slightly different. Maybe one of the examples that we can take, and maybe it's a little more an extreme example. In the Middle East, we have things called honor killings in some of the cultures that are in that area. And I've often wondered, I've often pondered, how is it that a man can murder his sister in cold blood? And I've wondered, how is it that something that she did could be so awful that he would take it upon himself to go kill his own sister. But it's because of the cultural values that these people grow in where honor is more important than your own family. The, the family's reputation is more important than what each family member does and is. And this time, Mary's pregnancy would have brought tremendous shame on her whole family Her pregnancy would have brought shame on Joseph. Her whole community would have have been ashamed of what had happened to Mary. Here was a young girl, probably no older than 12 to 16 years old, and she was pregnant. And here was a girl that was getting ready to marry, and now she starts talking, and people must have thought she was losing her mind. She's trying to convince people that God made me pregnant. And people would have looked at her and says, you're engaged to a man and you're pregnant. doesn't take much for me to figure out what happened. And there would have been a tremendous shame put on her. And because Joseph was her fiancé, it would have been the same for him. Shame 
destroys peace. Maybe, I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're living in a time where you are living with tremendous shame. Maybe you're ashamed of what you have done. You're looking at what you have done and you can't believe you would be able to go down to that level and do what you did. Or maybe somebody else has done something to you where it has brought tremendous shame to you. Like Joseph here, I can understand why there's no peace in your life. Why you are not able to find that calm and rest in your heart. But if I take our thoughts back to John 4 and how Jesus reached out to the woman who lived in shame. Here's a woman that was living with her sixth partner. She had already had five husbands. And she was so ashamed of her life and her whole community shunned her that she came and got water at a time when she was almost certain no one else would be there. She didn't want to be seen by other people because she was ashamed of who she was. And then we have this amazing account of Jesus coming and visiting with her and showing her the love that she had not gotten anywhere else. Jesus was the one that calmed her soul and gave her the everlasting water that brings peace. But it also tells us that Joseph was a man of integrity who did not want to hurt his fiancée. Matthew 1.19, the verse says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So here's a man that found out his fiancée was pregnant, but decided in his heart that he wasn't going to make a big uh, spectacle of the whole thing. The Jewish law at the time would have allowed him to bring her before the courts, and the courts would condemn her to death for marital unfaithfulness or um, fornication. But Joseph decided, because he loved his uh, fiancée, to put her aside quietly and then hopefully just move on with his life. So Joseph was in the middle of a very strenuous uh, uh, turmoil in his life, a very unpeaceful time. But God intervened. He brought peace into the circumstance. God brought peace into Joseph's life. So how did God bring Joseph peace? I think of a quote, and I know this is a a quote that has been quoted many times, but I just want us to revisit and and to, to ponder this quote. And it says, sometimes God calms a storm. Sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. Sometimes God brings peace into our situation and he, through his mighty hand, changes the situation so that the situation is such where peace can reside. But sometimes God changes us. He brings peace to us on the inside of us where we are able to rest in Jesus' hands and trust him. And though whatever happens around us, we are able to rest and we are able to continue to live out God's will for us. And this is what happened in Joseph's life. First thing that God does is that God assured Joseph of his integrity. God assured Joseph that he was to marry uh, Mary. 
In verse 20 he says, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What an act of relief this would have been for Joseph. And I don't know how he even fell asleep during this time, but during, um, during this time, God sent an angel to speak to Joseph in a dream. And it was the hearing of the, God's voice that jo- brought Joseph peace. I think of my own children, and those of you that have children in here can relate to this. Uh, one of my sons, he wakes up in the middle of the night. I don't know if he is, uh, he's completely awake or is he asleep. He's, he looks like he's kind of comatose. He's just right in that in-between state. And he wakes up and he's crying. And he says, I have a bad dream. And he sits in his bed and he cries until I go to him. And uh, he just keeps on crying. And when I go to him, I put my hand on his shoulder and I just tell him, you can go to sleep now. And he says, okay. He lies back down and goes right back to sleep. And I think this is a tremendous illustration of what God does in our situations. Where he speaks into our lives and says, child, it's okay. You can rest again. And this is what happened here. God came to Joseph and he spoke into his life and says, it's okay. Do not be afraid. I don't know what is going on in your life today where you are experiencing this, uh, this uncertainty and wondering what is going on. God wants to speak into your life and assure you that everything is going to be okay. Joseph was a man of integrity. He must have sought God's will if this is the right woman to marry. And he must have wondered, did I make the right choice? Did I hear God right in taking this woman to be my bride? And when this uh, situation turned, God assured him, yes, you did hear me right. I can think back in times of my life where I knew God was calling us in a certain direction. But something happened in that situation where it was completely different. And it looked as if I had heard God wrong. And as my wife and I prayed, God brought peace. And he says, no, you heard me right. Just hold on. And that is the word I have for some of you today. You heard God once. And now life seems like it wasn't, it doesn't line up with what you heard. I want to assure you, listen to what God has said. Pray that God will reassure you to what you have heard is really God's will for you. Then God uh, proclaims to Mary that, or uh, proclaims to Joseph that Mary had conceived through the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're new with us today and you haven't kind of grown up in the church, you see this uh, statement, you wonder, what is up with that? Has John never... Has Matthew never had a basic biology class? Man is born of uh, man. Humans come from human. But here, God is saying that that Jesus was conceived through the Holy Spirit. It's one of the important tenets of the doctrine and doctrine of the Christian faith. Mary conceived Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus had a human mother, he was fully human. And because 
He was conceived through the Holy Spirit. He's without sin and fully divine. There are many things in our faith sometimes where we wrestle with what God has said, what the Bible teaches. And we wonder, how can this be? There seems to be these tensions here. And it seems like this is an impossibility in the way that we understand the world. But it was God's voice that assured Joseph, though as far-fetched as it may have seemed, that Mary had really conceived through the Holy Spirit. How did God convince Joseph? With Scripture. And here Matthew plugs in the Scripture that uh, prophesied that Jesus would come. In Isaiah chapter uh, 7, verses 14, Isaiah says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God is with us. If you're wondering if something is from God, if you're wondering what the peace is supposed to be in your life, God often answers our questions through the scriptures. So we need to be people that read the Bible. The uh, next way that God brought peace is God proclaimed that Jesus would be the Savior of the world. He says his name would be Jesus. Verse 21 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the same as Savior, or one that saves. It is actually the same word as Joshua, so... um, in, we could almost just translate Jesus as Joshua. It would mean the same thing. And then he says, and he would save the people from their sin. This is how he would save us. The Bible teaches us that all of us are born into sin. We are sinful people. We naturally want to do bad things. We want to do evil things. And this is the very thing that God came to save us from. It is impossible for us to have inner peace. The peace that God brought to Joseph if we are not in right standing with God. And for us to be in right standing with God, our sin needs to be done away with. So how can we find this peace, this uh, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 10 that if we believe in Jesus Christ, and trust in Him for salvation, that we will be saved. We ask Jesus to forgive our sins and accept His his sacrifice on our behalf. The Bible says if we believe that and we accept that, that we can be saved from our sins. Peace with God also gives us the foundation for peace with our surroundings. See, Jesus did not come. He did not come to stop the chaos around us. He did not come to bring peace and slow the culture down. He did not come that we would be in better shape for Black Friday. He did not come so that we would be, that the world would be much a better place so that we could finally know peace. He came to save us from our sins. He came to save us from ourselves 
and he came to transform us on the inside. And in this way, peace becomes something personal, not just something that we think of broadly and conceptually. It come, becomes, peace becomes something that we can experience. So what did Joseph do with his peace? Joseph placed his faith in God. Peace is found when we walk in, in trust in God's plan for us. Peace is found when we walk in a way that is pleasing to God, regardless of what our circumstance is. First thing we see in, in verse 24 is that Joseph did as God commanded. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Peace gives us the strength to do what God commands us to do. What is God calling you to do this Christmas season? Perhaps it is to reconcile a broken relationship in your family. Perhaps it is inviting someone from your workplace to church or to speak to him or her about your faith. Perhaps it's bringing cookies to your neighbors. All these little things God impresses on our hearts that we can serve him and bring joy and peace to those around us. When we have peace that God gives us, we are equipped to do what God commands us to do. The second thing that Joseph did was Joseph lived a life of purity. Verse 25 says, But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. One of the things that I have found is times of stress, and sometimes God, and in times of God's obvious working in our lives, those are often the times when we are most vulnerable to falling for the enemy's lies. It's a time where we are very vulnerable to sin. We are very vulnerable to fall aside. And I think we get so caught up in all that is going on, all that is good, that we forget to guard our hearts from what is around us and what could lead us astray. But here, Joseph, because he had peace, he continued to walk in the way that God desired of him, in purity and of integrity. Just something uh, a little bit um, funny about me is my wife knows this, and I can attest to it as well. I do not do well with fixing appliances. So if my dishwasher breaks, I think it's just better to get Sears involved, bring me a new one. I remember one time when uh, my dishwasher was broke again, and uh, I was trying to fix it, keyword trying, and there was nothing peaceful within me. I, maybe some of you have experienced this. You're trying to fix something in the car. You guys are maybe, uh, I don't know what you guys don't like to do. And I remember my wife coming and wanting to have this really deep conversation with me. <laughs> right? You kind of can see where this is going to go. Me not being in any peace, me not having uh, too much peace in my heart at that time, I asked my wife, what do you really want from me? Meaning, just go away. A very unspiritual response 
to hope, probably a very um, heartfelt question from my wife. And I think this is a, just a, a small example of what happens in us when we do not have peace on the inside. When, when we are so busy, our, our uh, internal soul is, is caught up in chaos, we are much more likely to lash out. We are much more likely to hurt those around us. God wants to bring peace into our lives so that we can live a life of purity. And then Joseph led his family in the will of God. Peace allows us to continue in the will of God. Not just to obey him the first time when he says something, but peace allows us to continue in it. Joseph led his family to where they needed to go because he had peace that God was leading them. And as I want to tie this all together again with the Christmas, start of the Christmas season. And we want to be intentional, uh, we that are speaking in December, about this theme. And slowing down. Allowing the peace of God to come in us. And to uh, find meaningful peace. We need to slow down and quiet our souls. It doesn't matter what is going around us. It doesn't matter how uh, chaotic Leamington is or Windsor or wherever you reside. It doesn't matter. Psalms 46.10 says this. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. This Christmas season, this Advent season, as we think of what all is coming, this is a tremendous opportunity for us to focus on who our God is. The tremendous love that he has for us. He would love us so much as to send his only son to us as a baby. And rather than be focused on all the festivities, to be still and to know God. And then it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When we as a church are still, and we as a church begin to be people that seek God, and people come and worship with us, and we serve in the community, and we reach out into the community, God says, I will be exalted among the nation. I will be exalted in the earth. God is exalted. God is glorified when we slow down. When we get to know God. When we get to know God, then we have a God that we are able to point others to as well. So in conclusion, I'll ask the worship team to come up. This Christmas season will be busy like they all are. There will be presents to buy. There'll be Christmas parties to go to. There'll be all kinds of things that we can do. But we can make the choice, however, that this Christmas will be one of peace. I want to leave you with the words found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16. And it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. The Lord be with you all, and may the Lord give you peace. Let's pray.
God, you have promised us in your word and you have taught us that you are a God of peace. You are a God that brings order. And I ask, as we as a church ask today, that you bring peace to us. You still our hearts. You still our situations. And you still our, Christ, you still our Christmas. So that in this season, we will truly become people that know you. And we can say, we know God. I ask for our week as well as we visit, as we meet people, that we will be able to exalt you over the the whole earth. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.